Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Amen. Thank you. Good to see all of you this morning. If you're visiting with us, we appreciate you coming. And we're especially happy to have our adopted granddaughter with us, Rebecca. Good to see you, honey. We've known her ever since she's, I don't know, four years old, five years old or something like that. But she's special. But uh, we welcome all of you to our service this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. title of our message this morning is The Greatest Event of All Time. The Greatest Event of All Time. We'll be reading the first eight verses. And then later on, if we have time, we'll touch some other verses in this chapter. But as we look at God's Word... I want you to pay special attention to verses 1 through 4. How special they are to the Christian. How special they are to the church. As Paul wrote to that church there in Corinth, and as he put these words through God's leadership into this scripture... And I want to touch on those words this morning that's going to help us as Christians today in the church in the 21st century. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain." For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. At last of all he was seen of me, also as of one born out of due time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings today, the songs that have been sung, the meaning that we have received from those songs and the words that were put in there. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to bless, and may your will be done. Touch our hearts as only you can do. For we know you love us. Help us never to forget that. Yes, we're going to face hard times as a Christian. But we know that you love us. And that love will last forever. Now bless, have your will and way. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The achievements in our technical age have caused human knowledge to be exalted as never before. Just think about what's going on in the past several years. 
in the last century. All the things that have taken place from the Wright brothers, those little bi-wing planes to those supersonic jets we have now that can fly two, three, four thousand miles an hour. Something else. But many of self-centered are thinking that those things that have made life easier for them are the greatest achievements. I've already mentioned the airplane, but what about the automobile that you came to church in this morning? Aren't you glad you don't have to ride horseback or walk several miles to get here? What about your telephone, your television? What great achievements those have been and still are. What about the microwave oven? <laughs> Isn't that something? Put an apple pie in there and it's done in 15 seconds. Hot enough to eat. Radio. And many of you will thank the medical field too for the advances that have come to pass over recent years. But young people, I guess you'd say entertainment. Man, we have everything. The world has their heroes everywhere. You have the actors, actresses. You have singers, you have dancers. You have those that are loaded with wealth. We have those that have help, looking for help. Have those that want pleasure. But the guarantee of eternal help, to me, is the greatest thing that this nation has ever seen. Spiritual life. Life everlasting. Don't have to worry about dying. Don't have to worry about being, as Polycarp was, tied to a stake and the fire lit. But it wouldn't burn. They tried every way in the world to get that fire to burn, to burn Polycarp up, but it wouldn't happen. One of the soldiers finally stuck a dart through his heart. The only way they could kill him. But isn't that the promise that God made to us? The fire will not touch us. If we're going to heaven, we'll never have to experience what the lost person will go to have to experience throughout all eternity is the fire in hell and the separation from God who loved us so much. Apart from Jesus' victory, would we would face only darkness, oblivion, certain loss, and no hope a permanent gain. Life would be desperate, to say the least. Go back in the Old Testament and the early part of the New Testament. Mary watched Joseph and Nicodemus bury Jesus on Friday. She went back on Sunday. But the stone was rolled away. He was gone. Mark 16, 6 tells us, be not afraid. You seek Jesus, he's not here. I hope you came this morning seeking Jesus. 
I hope you came this morning wanting him to speak to your heart. Now, I don't know how much I'll follow these words that I have written down on this paper here. But God's been dealing with me about this scripture. And I'm just going to take some words here and relate it to us today. And to those who are listening by radio, however you might be listening, I want you to listen to these words. As Paul began to write, he said, Moreover, brethren, now who's he talking to? Talking to us, the Christians. He's talking to the church. He's talking to those who have been saved by the grace of God and not afraid to say so in this day and age in which we live. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare. What's he saying? When's the last time you witnessed to someone? When's the last time that you declared the gospel to a lost person and helped them to understand that they don't have to remain lost? They don't have to remain away from God. They don't have to be afraid of dying. They don't have to be afraid of anything that's going to happen to any of us. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is able to save to those that are lost in the guttermost to the uttermost. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you what? What was Paul declaring? The gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the Bible says it's the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Roman government nailed him to that cross along with the Jewish bystanders there. And when he died, when they placed him in that tomb, when they put that big old stone in front of that opening, we have won the victory. That's what they said. But who won the victory? Jesus Christ won the victory because three days later, when those ladies came to the tomb, where was that stone that the Roman government put a seal on? Pushed aside. Who was sitting on that stone? An angel. I know why you came, but he's not here. Isn't that the backbone of the Christian religion? Isn't that where we need to be exalting the Lord Jesus Christ today? He's not dead anymore. He's not behind that stone just like all of those others Proclaiming to be something. Moses' bones are still in the grave, in the ground somewhere. God buried him. Every human that dies, their bones will remain in the ground. But Jesus wasn't. He was gone. God raised him up. And that's part of the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, what does that word mean, preached? To tell. What are we telling? How are we telling it? And better yet, how are we living it? Does our words match our living? Is what we're saying to the people according to what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. And wherever Paul went, he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope we are doing the same. I hope we're taking every advantage that the Lord Jesus Christ gives unto us to declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said it before, you may not be called to preach, but you are a preacher. You are a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received. Now that is an important word. When did you receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? The second Friday night in March 1981. But when did you receive the gospel? When did that gospel settle into your heart, in your life, and you understood you were lost, and you were on your way to a devil's hell? And you couldn't do anything about it within yourself other than to call out to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness of your sins. When did you receive the gospel? But there's another word right after that. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. Are you standing for the gospel? Are you making sure that people understand where you stand? Now, I'm not preaching perfection. None of us are perfect. But are we standing on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we know what the gospel can do to a person? How it can change their heart and their lives? I want you to go back in your own life, just as I have many times. The life that I lived before that Friday night. Oh, I was a good boy, but I was lost. I was lost. But when that change came, I didn't have to worry about that lostness anymore. I didn't have to worry about dying anymore. Because God stood with me. And in your Sunday school lesson this morning, Polycarp, yes, he was tied to that stake, but who was with him? What did he say? Do what you will. Man, I'm not going to recant on my Savior. I'm not going to give up on him because he never gave up on me. And church, we need to realize that. He will never give up on us. We may quit. We may get upset at somebody in the church. But folks, we're not here for each other. In a way we are, but we're here to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, proclaim the message that he has for us, that we might see people saved and their lives changed with a hope of one day standing in front of him and hearing those words, 
Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thank you for standing with me. Just like the church in our Sunday school lesson who stood, even in persecution, didn't have anything. They stood strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I keep praying that America will get back to that point that they will stand strong for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what the government tries to push down our throat. We need to stand for the gospel for the Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to all of us. Our government couldn't save us if they had to. Our politicians couldn't save us if they wanted to. But thank the Lord he can. Am I down on America? No. But I'm down on what's happening. I'm down on people who will not take a stand anymore. I'm upset at people who think that their way is the best way when Jesus is the only way. Take a stand by which also ye are what? Saved. Spiritually saved. Did it save Polycarp from being burned at the stake? No. Did it save a lot of those early Christians from being put in the Roman Colosseum and the lions turned loose? No. But it sure saved their soul. And they're in heaven today with the Lord Jesus Christ rejoicing because they would not give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of our nation today, I believe, and I'm fearing that they're giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should I follow? Well, I'll tell you why. You'll never experience anyone that has the love that he has for a lost and dying world. Oh, my. But keep in memory... My mom, in her later years, she lost that memory. But she got a perfect memory today. But even after she lost her memory, she still could play one song on the piano. I think I've told you this. Hand in hand with Jesus. She walked with the Lord many years and she never gave up but even in those last years she could play it on the piano and she could sing it hand in hand with Jesus folks there's no one any better than what Jesus has for us and is doing for us but he says Keep in memory. Best thing you can do is remember the moment you got saved. Because when Satan comes and says, well, uh, look at you. You, you. you just told a lie. 
Uh, you're not a Christian. Oh, yes, I am. I'm human. There'll be those times when I'll tell a lie and maybe not know it. Or there might be those times when I tell a lie and know it. But does that destroy my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? No, he's still my Savior. But we quench the Spirit when we do that. And we do not confess that sin before the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful to us. Keep in memory, Paul said to that Corinthian church, what the Lord has done for you and what he's promised to do for us. <clears throat> for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. My mama couldn't do it as much as she loved me. My daddy couldn't do it as much as he loved me. Nobody else could do it. But Christ died for my sins. And you think about that. A holy and a righteous God leaving the perfectness of heaven being with the Father by his side, coming down to this earth, and then allowing people to nail him to the cross. Christ died for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the whole world. According to the scriptures, the Bible says. All through this Bible, Jesus was crucified. Even before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was crucified. Even before the creation of man, Jesus was crucified. In the eyes of the Father and in his heart, he knew why he was to come. If that isn't love, I don't know what is. The song says he left the splendor of heaven. Knowing why he left. Now, if you knew, of course, now, brother, our son was in the army, went to Afghanistan, went to Iraq. He would lead patrols out to find people. He knew that there was possibly could be trouble out there. But he went anyway because he was trained to do that. Jesus left heaven's glory knowing that there was going to be trouble down here. Knowing that one day he was going to be nailed to a cross. But he went anyway. Is that our attitude? Folks, the way this world is becoming and the way this nation is going there's going to be trouble for the Christian. Mark it down. 
You know that. But will we be like Polycarp? Go ahead and light the fire. Because I know where I'm going. I know what the Lord has done for me. I know that he took my sins. I know that he forgave me of my sins. I know that he gave me a promise that will never be broken. When this life is over, you are going to be with me in paradise. What a promise. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. Hmm. They didn't know who was doing with him. They had watched him do miracle after miracle. They had watched him raise people from the dead, I think three, stated in the scriptures. But it didn't bother their hearts one bit. It didn't change them one bit. How many times have people heard the gospel today and it hasn't changed them one bit? But one day, the gospel will change them but it'll be too late. You'll be like that rich man who died and went to hell. But you know, if you read that, he wasn't calling for another chance to be saved. He wanted one little drop of water to cool his tongue. But he also had concern for his brothers afterwards in which he didn't have before. And I hope none of us are in that situation that the world's goods are more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he was buried, sealed with a Roman seal, a guard placed in front of it. But that didn't keep him from rising because that's what the next word says. He was buried and that he rose again the third <coughs> the third day according to the scriptures. All of this was told in the Old Testament, but they still would not believe. People have heard the gospel all their lives, but they still will not believe because Satan is strong. He's sending them disillusions. But one day, if they die in that state, it will be too late. Oh, they'll know the gospel. They'll probably repeat verses, but it'd be too late. Too late. Yes, buried, died, buried, and rose. Those next verses tell of different ones who saw the risen Lord. made a change in their hearts and in their lives because they went about preaching the gospel. They lived the gospel. But look at verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. Paul who was Saul, persecuted Christian. 
had them arrested, placed in jail, had them placed in that Roman arena. But on that Damascus road, the one that he persecuted became his Savior. Now I'm through except for one thing. Where are you going to spend eternity? This life's going to be over. Some sooner than others. But where will you spend eternity? Have you trusted in the name and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know for a fact, do you know for the truth that when this life is over, you'll see the Lord Jesus Christ with thankful and grateful and a loving heart. Folks, when we get there, it won't get any better because we will have everything that God wants us to have. And it'll be forever. Forever. Oh, did I say forever? But you reject him and you'll be in the same shoes as Satan. Who thought he was good enough to get around the salvation of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly why many people live, act on today. They're going to get around it. But there's no getting around. And I'm so thankful for that second Friday night in March, 1981. I didn't have to worry about dying anymore because I know, I know what happened. And Jesus did it all. Our strength is small, but who gives us his strength? Jesus. Sometimes our mouth closed when it ought to be open speaking for the Lord. But if you'll pray and ask God's help, he can open that mouth. He can give you the words. Your testimony is what God has done for you. And it will touch lives. Maybe not as soon as we want it to but it will touch lives. Oh, what's the greatest event? When you came to know the Lord or when you will come to know the Lord.
as your personal Savior. Think about that. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of ourselves, not anything that we've done, not our church membership, but it's all because of God and what he has done for us and what he wants us to have. His love and eternal life, life in our heart forever and forever. Think about that. As we stand and sing our hymn of invitation, I want you to think about that. I want you to know that God loves you. Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.